0: be with you in just a second here. I don't want to do what I did. Was it here? I think it was another church. I was preparing a sermon and wrote it out and didn't like it. So I started, made made the second one. So I I liked the second one. I was familiar with that. So when I was leaving to go to the church, I picked up the wrong sermon. And I to a pulpit, and I'm looking down at my notes, and it's the wrong one. <laughs> so I sort of had to spontaneously do it as I went along. Well, I have my notes here today, so uh, so I feel good about that. So that'll help things out very much. Now, today, the text I'm going to be speaking from here is Romans. As, we, as you've noticed, I've gone going through Romans verse by verse is what I'm doing here. And so we're looking here today in Romans chapter 1, and... Um, we're going to be looking here in verse 22. Romans only has eight words. So, how can we be doing this? Now, here's a little thought, though, you might want to do. What I, as I say, what I've been doing is one verse every Sunday. I've been doing this on, for Romans. Now, here's a challenge I'd like to give to you Memorize these verses. And if you know, if you memorize just one verse, I come here once a month. If you just memorize one verse a month, in time, you'll have, you can have the whole chapter memorized. And nothing is more helpful than having God's word in your heart. You can memorize it. I know if I can do it, and I can do some of these things, I can't do it all. But like, like okay, so Romans 1 is 1. Uh, Paul, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so did I get that right? Yeah, okay. So I got verse 1 down, uh, but it goes on, which he had promised before by his disciples, and, and uh, goes on this way. So memorize these chapters. So here, today would be an easy one. We're looking here, Romans chapter 1 and verse 22, per- perfect, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So any of us can memorize that. And so and how do you memorize a verse? Just many ways. You can put it in a three-by-five card and carry it in your, in, in your pocket. When you come to a stop sign, you're driving, or, something, or a red light, get it out, go over it quickly, put it back. And as you say it each day, after a while it'll start to stick and then and then go to verse 2 and verse 3 and then you're learning to memorize large blocks of scripture and they really have meaning meaning strong obviously strong meaning in God's word okay so we're going to look today in Romans chapter 1 verse 22 and before we look at this because this is God's inspired inerrant infallible word let us pray together our father we come now to worship you we're coming here first of all thanking you that you have saved us uh, we admire your power that you're able to keep us saved, and now we want to, to worship you. And we ask, Lord, during this time, genuine worship will occur, that this will not just be a lecture or just a speech about Jesus and the Bible, but rather this will be a time when the Holy Spirit will use these words to, to encourage our heart. Perhaps someone came here today and, and they're, they're sad or they're, they're discouraged. So we pray that you'll take these words and give them encouragement. Perhaps there's someone that has an important decision to make, and they do not know whether to go to the left or to the right, whether to say yes or say no. We ask that as a result of being here during this time of worship, you'll speak to their heart and give them direction as to what to do, what to say, what not to do. In other words, Lord, we're asking for you to minister to our hearts today. No doubt there's a variety of needs here, but we present them to you, and we go forward now in faith and optimism, knowing you'll minister to our heart this very hour. Now, we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, in, as I mentioned to you earlier, look, looking here in verse number 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now, that would be a good memory verse, right? Only eight words. So you can put that one down and learn that very quickly. Um, these eight words are about what we call the natural man. Now, a good description of the natural man is there in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. And that's what this verse is about today. And, And actually, the whole setting here is about the natural man. He could be religious. He could be friendly. But he's unsaved. And Scripture refers to him, as I say, the natural man. In the text we're going to be looking into today... There are actually seven indictments against this natural man. We want to look at this and um, just see what God has to say about this. And Now, in the context, we want to start with that context looking here in verse number 21. And then we'll move forward into verse 22. Now, we've looked at verse 21 with you before, so I'm going to be brief because I want to actually focus on actually what do we do after uh, the, the events of for verse 21 and 22. So if we look here in verse 21 and just divide it into little segments so that we can break these things down and understand them, the first thing we, we find here in verse 21, when they knew God. Now if we're going about this in a, in a way of deep study and understanding, we ask ourselves the question when who knew God? Who's that talking about? Well, if you look back in, verse, in God's word, going back to verse 18, it tells us. He's t- what he has in mind is the ungodly and the unrighteous, which is labeled there in verse number 18. So when they knew God, and actually it really means when they knew about God, they did not know God as a savior, as their Lord, but they, but they knew about the concept of God. I believe the stronger understanding there that when they knew God, Going then, next phrase, they glorified him not as God. In other words, they acknowledged God, the concept of God. They, have, they were not atheists. The people that he has in mind are not atheists. They acknowledge a concept of God. But they had the attitude of one which is expressed in Luke chapter 19, verse 14. You might want to look that up later. Luke 19, verse 14, and the, and the person they are giving the talk says, We will not have this man to rule over us. In other words, that's the attitude toward Jesus. We're not going to have him rule over us. I have my way, I'm going to do my thing, and that's just the way it's going to be. People who, who adopt this attitude, and there's many of them like that, many times they flee to religion. Not true Christianity, but many times you'll find them in liberal churches, you'll find them uh, here and there, and what they actually do is that they replace God's word with speculation, superstition, and dead tradition. And you'll find a lot of those things taking place in Christian ministries, sometimes even in Christian churches. You find that when, when a culture begins to pull away from God, which is what these groups will do, many... Destructive things occur. One, morals begin to decline. Ethics disappear. Science becomes contaminated with what I would say today, fairy tales with some of the things, and I'll talk more about that later. The arts become disturbed. Education becomes slanted. And nations begin to rise against nations, and you have turmoil and and trouble, and wars. An example of this, pulling away from God's word, is found, obviously, the example that we have talked about earlier today, and that is Israel. And how sad that is. Here we have Israel and Old Testament prophets, the Lord Jesus Christ, all Jewish, and today, they don't know the Lord. For the most part, they don't know. They're alien to the promises of God. And what a sad thing that is. And yet, I'm giving you, I'm reading here to you Romans chapter 11, verse 25, which gives an, an explanation. Why is the Jew so hostile to the gospel? Romans chapter 11, verse 25 tells us that God placed a blindness. There's a blindness upon Israel until a certain time. And so you have this resistance to the gospel. Today, some of our modern churches, they drift from God and they embrace various strange theories as opposed to following closely God's Word. They even embrace such lunatic ideas as evolution, biological evolution, geological uniformity, and even they have problems with inspiration. The inspired word. Now, we know all Scripture is given to us by the inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible makes that very clear, but yet you'll find in many churches that will be challenged, and they go instead for man's opinion over the word of God. And so that's what we're seeing here in this text and under these phrases that we're looking at. Further, let's move on to the next statement here. These people are not thankful. Looking back there here in verse number 21, they, they're not thankful. Their hearts are full of arrogance and hubris. They lack gratitude and gratitude to God for their life. And where do we find a good example of this? But in Luke seventeen eleven, And there you find the account there of Jesus healing the lepers. And they go on their way, and what happened? Only one, ten lepers, I believe it is, and only one comes back to say thanks. Showing a, you know, a spirit of, of indifference, a spirit of, of lack of, of gratitude and thanksgiving. The fourth phrase we find here in this verse tells us they became vain in their imagination. Now again, who was the they? Go back to verse 18, and it tells us basically the unbelievers. And that's what it has in mind here. But they became vain in their imagination, meaning that the re- reasoning faculties are damaged. And they come into this world screaming and kicking against God. They have a bias against God. Of course, that's why the word of God says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, it's a miracle that we're here today. When you think about it, when you see what God says about mankind and his depth of depravity, and yet what? You're here today worshiping the Lord, you love him, that's a miracle. I'm looking here at about 20 miracles. Don't ever forget that. Your salvation was a powerful miracle work of God. If God left us to ourselves, none of us would believe in Christ. We would be out in the world today fulfilling the lust of our flesh, doing all kind of mystery or, or misery on, on people. And yet, by his grace, he saved us. It tells us they became vain in their imaginations. We just looked at that. Number five thing stated here is that they're... Uh, their foolish heart was darkened. Now, this is a heavy statement. Of the sinner, he's saying their, fo- their heart's foolish, but also it's darkened. The foolish heart becomes darkened. And this is making reference to what Scripture calls a reprobate mind. And we'll look further in, in the reprobate mind when we come to verse 28. And at the rate we're moving, by the way I'm moving with this, that's going to be a couple years. But No, just kidding. But but you go back to verse uh, Romans 1.28 speaks about a reprobate mind. Now, what is a reprobate mind? Again, we'll get into that in detail a bit later. But a reprobate mind refers to one who will never get saved. It's never going to get, unless God interrupts it dramatically. We're talking about people who never get saved. They have a reprobate mind. Look that word up when you have a chance, and you'll find a very interesting reading about the meaning of a reprobate mind. And the reprobate mind while it's in a state of reprobation, cannot respond to God. It's not that the reprobate chooses not to respond to God. The reprobate can't respond to God. That's how, depth, how deep his depravity becomes. Moving on. The sixth thing we see here. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And, of course, that's the main text I was wanting to share with you today. They profess themselves to be wise, they became fools. In other words, their foolishness led them, as we're going to see in our context, to idolatry. On this verse, William Barclay, on his commentary in Romans, and on this verse makes this statement. I just thought he can say it much more eloquently than I, so I'll just read his words here for you. He says that man makes an idol. He brings it, he brings it offerings and addresses prayers to it. Why? So that his own schemes and dreams and aims may be furthered. His whole worship is for his own sake and not God's sake. The very essence and being of sin is to put self in the place of God. Sin is when a man worships himself instead of God. And he is dressing here that phrase, their foolish heart. It's darkened. He's addressing the issues here that we find in verse 21, 21, professing himself to be wise. They became fools. And that's what you're dealing with today. When you're running in those who don't know the Lord, you're handing out tracts. Many times you're dealing with this kind of a person. He thinks himself wise. But in reality, before God, he's a fool. (laughs) Those who turn down the Lord, they're in big, big trouble. And indeed, they are a fool. What I'd like to do at this point is share with you what what, what I call a postscript of verses addressing this condition. The condition of this man right here we see in verse number 21. These people profess themselves to be wise, but indeed they're fools. Many other places of scripture deal with this person. And I want to read some of them off to you and maybe make a quick application. And then I have another postscript I want to give to you after this. Proverbs 26.2 tells us, there are those who are wise in their own eyes. And it says, don't be wise in, our, in your own eyes. Proverbs 26.2. Proverbs 18.12 tells us that before destruction, the heart is haughty. And that's something we all have to guard against. Haughtiness. Or again, I would use the word pride. And that will naturally swell up in us from time to time and you've really got to guard against this because it is deadly, especially for a Christian. What happens in churches? Well, let's talk about pride for a minute within churches. You know, I'm running around walking around in a church and I have all my pride. What am I doing? I'm damaging people. I'm hurting them because I have my pride and, you know, exhibited in these kinds of things. And what do you do? You do damage one to another. When you, you, when you sense the pride may be swelling up in your heart you got to deal with it. I'm sort of smiling when I say that. I shouldn't because I'm talking about something, but I'm talking about my wife many times. <laughs> deal with me. Talks to me about that. <clears throat> now, um, anyway, but you, you have to watch this. All right, now we're looking here. Look, I have here James chapter 4, verse 1. God resists the proud. Shouldn't that scare us to be concerned about walking in our own pride? God resists the proud. Analyze yourself, is there pride in my life? If so, you may actually be dealing with the resistance of God Almighty. Galatians chapter six, verse three tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Don't always be patting ourselves on the back. look a great eye. want to avoid that. That is detrimental, especially to our Christian growth. 1 John chapter one, verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How about you when you assess your life before God? I'm I'm wondering if there's things, because this happened to me, I know it happens to you. The Holy Spirit convicts you of this and you reason out of, well, really, it's not sin because, and then you give your excuse, right? I'm sure you've all done that from time to time. The Spirit deals with you, but yet you sort of shuffle it off and, and continue on in your in your way. And that's what we deal with. As, as being a fallen human being, we tend to have to deal with these things. Again, 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Our text says they profess themselves to be wise, and yet, indeed, they are fools. Second postscript I want to give to this to this verse I, I want to share with you. I want to share just some, some words with you about fools. And what I'm going to say here, um, i, I got to qualify these words. Um, how do I say this? Okay, here I am. I'm not a member of your church. I, certainly, we enjoy coming to be with you. And, you know, we speak in various churches throughout the month. But this is probably one of our favorite places right here. This is, this is you know, you, I hope you understand this about yourself. You are a great congregation, and you have unlimited potential with, with the leadership that you have here, with just the personalities that have come together. And I think you're going to see this church in time almost explode. Stay faithful, follow the Lord, follow the word. Because everything is in place for a great work to occur. A great work is occurring. But to even reach out in addition to what you're doing to the community and do great things for the glory of God. Anyway, getting back here to what I want to say to you is this. A lot of times I like to take God's word, and we should do this. Take God's word and compare it to what you see taking place in the culture today. And it will help you to evaluate what is occurring. So that's what I want to do right now. Again, this is just from Don Britton. I know I don't represent the church or anything, just me, my narrow my thinking. But I want to lay it out there to you anyway. Because as a preacher of God's word, I am declaring the truth of God's word. And if people like it, good. If they don't, it's irrelevant. Preach the word. Preach, preach what's there. So anyway, what I'm going to say is this. Our country, the great United States of America, is in great danger, in my opinion. Very serious danger. And there are so many signs of this. And just some of the things that have gotten my attention, I want to share it with you and bring Scripture to bear upon these things. But think about this craziness that what we're experiencing right now in America is our borders being wide open with no one examining people coming in our borders of Christian America and during this hour there'll be hundreds of people just walking in not knowing anything about their background about their health not knowing what their political views are and this is a perfect setup for the destruction of this republic. We're being set up right right, right now. Many other things make make me aware of this. Just another sign of the times that we've seen taking place, and that is think of the complete abandonment of Afghanistan, where our soldiers were there and doing their work, and then gone with, what is it? Maybe a a 1,000 American soldiers in captivity, and we just walk away and leave them. Now, who knows what's happened to those people? This is not an American way. It's not an American to say, you're in jail? Okay, we'll see you later. Don't bother me. And yet, that is exactly which is becoming acceptable behavior among our leaders of this land. And there's many, many more. There's a long list. I don't want to wax political here. But I'm, I want to wax American. Now, don't worry. I'm not, you think, you're thinking, oh, he's just a Republican. No, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm, I'm Don Britton standing before God and want to cast an intelligent vote, and that's it. And, and share the truth as I see it and compare it to God's word. Therefore, I say, yes, the United States of America is in great grave danger, deeper than what, you, what we suspect is my opinion. So here's the point, though. What should we do about this? What can you do about it? There are things that we can do about it, and that's just what I want. And it's very simple, but yet very powerful. What is that? Well, one is this Proverbs chapter four and verse two tells us to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, guard your it really means to guard your heart. Number one, as an American citizen, as a Christian American citizen who wants liberty to preach the gospel, to live the gospel, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of guard your heart, guard what's coming in to your mind and to your ears, what kind of propaganda is put before you, deal with it, understand it, and keep God's word close to your heart. Memorize God's words, as I have mentioned to you before. Memorize the word of God. Key verses, or as I suggested, take large blocks of scripture and commit it to memory. Now, you say you can't, but you can. When, I, when this first concept was brought to me about memorizing large parts of scripture, oh, I can't do that, but you know I can. I can quote various chapters of God's word. I'm not going to do it now, because you say, hey, oh, he's showing it off, so I'm not going to do that. But I'll, I'll show you, sometime I'll share that. But the point is, it can be done. Hide God's word in your heart. That will give you wisdom to deal with the things in which we're living today. Think about your family, the church, your neighborhood, the nation. All these things are hanging in the balance. So what is it that we are to do? Okay, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to this Bible verse with me, please. And it's found in Second Chronicles. Turn there, please, would you, for just a minute. Just a brief look on at, in the second chronicles. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That could be that could be in the church, too, me. You know, we think we know it all. I'm Christian. And well, you can think yourself wise. Professing themselves to be wise, yet they became fools. And you know, for a Christian, well, you know what that is? That's having knowledge. But doing nothing with it—that sort of makes us a fool. I have all knowledge of God's word. What are you doing with your knowledge of God's word? Well, you know, I'm here. You know, you don't want to do this. You want to be engaged. Engagement. Maybe you're hanging out tracks. Maybe you're engaged in prayer groups. Engaged in showing leadership here in the church. you've got, as I say, that's happening here. You've got great leaders here, and you, I can see a wonderful work taking place and I think a great potential future here in the church. So you're doing the things that the Lord calls you to do. We know this, yet how are we going to address this issue that I'm putting here before you? So you know that you probably all know what verse I'm going to make mention of, don't I? Don't you already know when I say 2 Chronicles chapter 7? Because this has a solution to the dilemma that I have presented to you. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14 you I'm sure many of you have it memorized, right? So let's just take this for just, I'll be brief. Just take this with a few minutes. Notice the first phrase, if my people, stop right there. Whatever this verse is going to say, it's addressed to the believers. It's addressed to his church, meaning it's addressed to you and me. (laughs) This is a little personal letter to us. And so he's saying there, if my people, the Lord's people, those who he has redeemed, Those who are serving him, those who are worshiping him today, God's people. If my people, what about them, which are called by my name? Christians, we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, making that specific, my people called by my name, believers, people right here in this church here and in sound biblical churches across the land. If my people, which are called by my name, number one, what? Humble themselves. You know, as we've, we've looked at this topic already a couple times this morning, we can be proud and arrogant, or we can actually let the Lord humble us. And, you know, sometimes our failures, and I'm sure from time to time we've all had failures, disappointments and all that, but you know why you get that as a child of God? Because God's humbling you. As many times, he's got to set us down, because if we had success in everything we did, you know we'd be walking around like this, thinking, oh, look a look great idea. So there are times the Lord has to put us down to keep us humble. You know, when we're reading God's word and we have pride and hubris in our heart, you can sit there and read it, but it's not really going to connect. For this word of God, and I'm sure you've had this, this experience, that when you're down and out, you're encouraged, you're discouraged, or you're confused, and then you come to God's word, isn't it amazing how it seems to jump out at the page at you and give you comfort, give you direction? But if I'm coming to God's word and I'm all sufficient in myself, a lot of times it's just words. And so therefore, he calls us to to humility. And that's what we have here, verse 14, if my people, they're called by main name, number one, humble themselves. And look at number two, pray. And probably, I'm sure, my guess is, I've never been here for a prayer meeting, but I have a guess. I'm going to guess, if you're like most churches. On prayer meeting night, probably maybe one-third of the people are here. That's just a guess. Maybe not. Maybe you're all here, and praise God. But I'm just saying the, tr- the, the, the pattern is when a New Testament church has their prayer meeting, just a few people trickle in. Now, why? And I've, I've never, ever been able to understand. Why is How can that be? Some churches call their, their, their prayer meeting, they call it the, the, what, the, the hour of power. And, you know, it's a little catchy, but but really, there's truth in this. When believers come together and pray one for another, great things occur. And you need to be holding one another up in prayer because you know we're in a spiritual warfare. And if the world, the flesh, and the devil can discourage you, they'll do it. Therefore, we need to come together, hold each other up in prayer, encourage one another, be there for one another. We can't be isolated and if we're having a prayer meeting and three people show up, or five people show up. But wouldn't it be wonderful you're having a prayer meeting and all of you are here for a prayer meeting with regularity? That ought to be the... And if that occurs, you'll begin to see positive changes occur in your life and in your church. Prayer, it's a powerful weapon. And Jesus has modeled this to us numerous times. What is prayer? Just simply talking to God. Learn to talk to God, to pray as a church. Now, I know you go home and you pray. Good. You need to come together and do it together, praying corporately one with another. has a great power in this. And you learn what people are struggling with. You know how to encourage one another. And, and of course, the best reason is this is what the Bible teaches. (laughs) Pray. Use the word of prayer. Our Lord Jesus prayed. Moving on here. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. Well, how do we seek the Lord's face? Through, the, through reading God's word is a way, seeking, seeking the Lord's face, meaning seek the Lord. Now, we know the Lord is obviously not with us in, in flesh, we know this, but we have his word. And that's what he would. And why do we have the word that we can get to know the Lord through His written word? And of course, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us, as we're reading God's word, we get to know Him. And we need to, now. Are you getting to know the Lord on a deeper level, with regularity? In other words, you should be a different person today than you were last year, having received God's word, having repented of sins you insist on having, having been lazy in the things that we all struggle with. But as we grow in the Lord, and hopefully, look, a year from today, a year from today, hopefully you and me and, and all of us will be different people than we are today as a result of growing in the Lord, as a result of, 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 of drawing closer to him. These things begin to change us in the positive. And that's what, this is what we have in view right here. If my people, that's you, that's me, which are called by my name, will humble yourself. See, again, pride's going to keep you from doing these things. That I'm, and two, I, I deal with it myself. You may say, well, Don, what do you got to be proud about? Well, that's a good, that's a good thing. But, but still, I have this human thing of pride. You have it too, and we've got to do something about it. Humble ourselves. Pray, seek my face. That's being in God's word. That's maybe going to Christian conventions when you have good, strong Christian conventions taking place. Do what you can do to seek the face of the Lord. Seek the Lord. Get to know him better. Turn your life over to him. Examine your own heart. What part of your life right now, let me ask you that question, what part of your life right now are you keeping from the Lord that you really haven't turned over? Oh yeah, you, you're, you're a Christian, you're saved, you're born again, you pray, you help out in the church, but you've got this little thing that you hold on to. And it's a secret little thing or you don't talk about it. And the Lord wants you to turn that thing over and be transparent and sold out to him. Seek my face. And here it is. And turn from their wicked ways. Not there's that phrase. Turn. So you have a formula here. This is a clear formula. Humble ourselves. Be people of prayer. Seek the Lord's face. And turn from our wicked ways. Well, you say, well, Don, no. you're talking to church. here. You're talking to church people. We don't have any wicked ways. Really? I wonder if that's what the Lord would say. And I, why do I say that? I don't know your life, but I know this. You're in the flesh, like I am. You're people, and we all struggle. And I'm sure nobody here is perfect. We struggled, we failed. Okay, what do we do when we fail? There's a, there's a remedy for this. Okay, none of us are perfect. We're all going to screw the thing up from time to time. So what should you do then? Hold your head down. Oh, I guess I can't I really can't help out the church because I struggle with this, right? I can't. No, the Bible tells you what? First John one nine, you should have that memorized. If Vicki's shaking her head. Can you say that to us? She won't say it. No, I I caught her. That's good, good. Huh? She didn't know I was going to do that. I shouldn't, probably it wasn't fair. I, I'm going to get it now when I go. <laughs> that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you got to confess it. And you know, when we confess it, don't make an excuse. Oh, Lord, I lusted after that woman. But you know, I mean, and no, that's wrong. Okay, ex- Lord, I sinned. I stole that flashlight from somebody's garage or what, the things that are in your life. Name it. You're guilty. You did it. I did it. Forgive me of this, Lord. I was not patient with my wife, Lord. I'm guilty of this. Now what? Forgive me. Seek the Lord's forgiveness. And you know what? What does that tell us then? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? That means that the sins I have, but I don't confess, either I forget about it or whatever, this, this slate is wiped clean. But that's a verse we need to know and practice. Because we all mess... I'm I'm here in a room with sinners. You're looking at a sinner. But what do we do when we... No, we try not to sin. We do all we can to stay away from it. But we're not perfect. And when you're overcome one way or another, confess it. Know the Lord has forgiven you and press on with your life. Enjoy and hope and and optimism is what we're to do here. So did we cover this verse. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble sums pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Now, here it is. We'll forgive their sins. And notice this is Old Testament, too. There's the promise already. Forgive their sins. And here's what I wanted to get to heal their land. And, ladies and gentlemen, if there's ever a time our church, our, our, our country needs to be healed, it's today. In my humble opinion, nothing more than this, but we've got traitors in high places to the United States for what America stands for. We've got traitors, and we need to be praying that God will protect us. Some maybe He'll raise up people, or may, maybe raise up strong churches, strong preachers to do to rescue America, so it needs to be rescued. If we continue on the same path, and you know, for me, I'm what? Well, I'm uh, see how oh, I'm I'm seventy eight. I've had my life. You know, I mean, if, if I could die today, okay, you know, good, I'd be in heaven with the Lord. And I've had a wonderful life. I've probably lived in the best time in the history of, of America, but you know what? I want my children to have that. I'd like to have our 12 grandchildren to have this, but they're not going to have it. The chances of my grandchildren experiencing the liberty and comfort that I have had in this country is very nil right now. And so that's one motive for me to be preaching this for them. It's for the glory of God. And simply it's right here in God's word. Hear this again. Can I read it too many times? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and here to heal the land. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have our land healed? Now, What do you picture as a healed land? Think about this. Our politicians are spending us into oblivion. You realize that. My, my children and grandchildren will pay in this price of this ridiculous trillion dollars indebtedness. And it goes on year after year after year, and nobody's holding it. Just, how could you run your house that way? You would be kicked out of your house so fast. And yet this is what these people, we send them to Washington, D.C., and give them big salaries and all this, and they sell us right down a drain. But we have hope. We've got God's word, and we know that America was founded on God's word. And as we turn back to God's word and follow him and witness boldly for him and live holy lives, he'll guide us. He'll give us direction. He'll give us the leadership that we need. But I'm just sharing with you, where, what I, what I, as I say it, where we are today. Finally, let me just give one other verse here or two. Let me just give you one other one here. What do we do in light of this? As I've said. Live for the Lord. Share the word of God. And here's something. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Well, you know what? I guess we should turn to this. Let me, instead of saying it, I'd like you to turn to that. Let's look at that. I have it now. I know what it is. But I want you to see it in black and white. Second Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 13. And this, this verse is about what do we do? Having shared these things With you today, having shared the fact that we find in Romans, professing ourselves to be wise, yeah, we became full, we know these things. Now, here's how that verse could pertain to us: professing yourselves to be wise. Hey, I'm a Christian, I know the word of God, blah, 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 blah. Okay, my question is then: what are you doing about it? And that's, I guess, that's the force. That I want to use this verse for us. Okay, we know these things, but what's the action? What are we actually doing? Now, I'm sure somebody here can recite James 1:22. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Right? You know, if we come to church, hey, sing the hymn, praise God, through all and 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 preaching all this stuff, and we go home, but don't do the work, you're deceiving yourself. Because you know what? If the Lord is in your heart, if you are truly saved, these words will turn into action. What happens in many churches, the church is filled up with people who aren't saved. They like nice music and want to be socially acceptable and all this, but their heart has never been circumcised. And so they'll spew all these things, but nothing ever gets done. And that's what we've got to guard against. James one twenty two: be doers of the word. Not here is only deceiving your own self, but actually getting getting aside here, looking here into 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'll make this my final verse as they go on and on and on and on. And you're thinking, when is this guy going to start out? He threw a rotten tomato at me, so I'll duck it and I'll know it's time to stop. But 1 Corinthians, no, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. Powerful, powerful what? Uh, no, no, I want, I want 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. Did I say 13 or something? Me, excuse me. Okay, so let me say it again. Let me mix you up yet again. Ephesians, no, I'm So we're looking here into 2 Corinthians chapter, excuse me, I'm wrong. My hand was blocking it. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Go back to that 13 and verse 5. Here we are. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Now, you know you may be offended if I were to say that to you. I mean, you've been here for years. And who am I to come up here and say, you should examine, are you really saved? That's really what that is saying. But it doesn't hurt to examine yourself. What evidence do you have that you're saved other than you come to church? Now, I don't know your lifestyle, so I really can't say much more than this. But examine yourself, because I'm sure there are many people who think they're saved, and they're not. And they think they're going to go to heaven, and they're going to find themselves plunged into hell. So, and here's the test: examine yourself, and look at whether you be in the faith. This is serious stuff. And notice, Paul is bringing this to their attention after two epistles, and it's at the end of the second epistle he brings this up. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith, and then prove yourselves. And that is to say, what evidence do you have that you're saved? What is what is the evidence? You come to church every week. I mean, that's. That's some. That's good. Do you have something else? Men, are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Why do I say that? Because that's probably the hardest thing you gotta, we have to do. But, but, but that said, what's in you? Are, you? are we truly loving our wives as Christ loved the church? That's evidence that I am saved. Am I a man or woman of prayer? Am I helping the poor, reaching out to those who are without? And All these things, these are evidences that indeed we're saved. But if we don't have any evidence that we're saved the only evidence that we put forth is I believe in Jesus and that's it but there's no evidence there's no good works there's nothing behind it this question may be good for you if that's your condition examine yourself whether you be in the faith and then he says to prove your own selves you know prove it and how much are you going to do this but by your works by what you actually do for the Lord Jesus Christ know you not that your own, your own bodies, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except, there's that word we talked about earlier, except you be a reprobate. And again, I'm not going to elaborate on it because I want to encourage you to do that. Do some work on this thing, the reprobate. It only comes up a few times in Scripture, but it has a very deep meaning. So again, I just want to say to you and to me and all of us here to examine ourselves, making sure we are in the faith and, and following and serving the Lord As we should. Um, Okay, I wrote down one other verse, so let me just share that with you quickly and then I I will conclude. So, this is a verse found in Acts chapter 8. So, would you turn there? Acts chapter 8. See if I can say this. Oh, yes, it's beautiful. Acts chapter 8. And just a short little verse here, but just to give you some encouragement. As, as, a, what you know? Again, what do we do when we come to a church service or a Bible class? We're getting all kind of theology and all. And I noticed this when I, I taught in a Bible college for four years. And I know what are you doing? You're giving information, theology, and all this. But then you got to say, what are you going to do with that? And you know, some of the students, you know, study, went out and have great ministries, tremendous ministries. Others go out, they just do, you know, do not. And that's what I want you to be aware of. You learn these things every Sunday, every Bible study. Okay, good. That's what you should be doing. But now, what are you doing once you get it? Well, I see this. This is encouragement for all of us. Acts chapter 8, looking in verse 4. Acts 8, 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And that's beautiful. You know, they were... The Christians were under um, severe attack by the world. And so the church scattered. But as they scattered, they didn't say, oh, well, what are we going to do? I have to leave my home. Just like you see a lot of refugees. did. But no, as they went, they preached the word. And that's what you want to do. As we go about our task every day, be ready to share the word, to live the word, and I love that phrase there. As, what, what is that now? Let's read that again, and I'm going to close here. Um, Therefore, they were scattered abroad, or they that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. See, as they went, they preached. They didn't have to have a special meeting or special situation. No, as it, wherever you are, as you go, share the word. And you can share it verbally. You can share it as the way you live. You can many ways of sharing God's word. Hand it out tracks and so forth. Okay, so anyway, I've said what I want to say here, and I pray that will inspire us to do things, be active and do things for the glory of our Lord. And um, sharing these things with you because the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. That's with who you work with professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Would to God that that does not describe us. Thinking we're just doing something, but in fact, nothing really is getting done. Let's pray. Our Father, we say thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for this beautiful room. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful people that you have assembled and brought them together uh, under the, the Bible Presbyterian Church of Bel Air. And uh, what are you going to do with this church? Well, so I see that you're bringing significant people here. These are not just run in the mill people. These are significant human beings. And this, this excites me as I think about this. Lord, I pray that you will continue to guide them, give them love one for another, uh, take out the pride. If there's any pride in, our, in this congregation, take it away, O Lord. Draw us close to you. Help us to repent of our sins the sins. In fact, let me just close right now to be quiet for a minute and invite you, and I'm, I'm talking about myself as well. Right now, think about what may be a sin in your life. Something where you're messing around with you ought not be. Or something you should be doing and you refuse to do it. Or you're doing something that you ought not to do. Right now, in this quietness, talk to the Lord about your life and those matters our Father we know that you heal our prayers we know that you died on the cross for our sins you were buried you resurrected and you offer the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins to all who will come unto you and again I don't know I'm getting to know you people and it's been very enjoyable but I don't know you all well could there be somebody here doesn't know the Lord Jesus Maybe religious, maybe a friendly person, but not born again. So we ask, Lord, should that situation prevail here right now? We ask that by the power of your spirit, you would draw that person irresistible, make them aware of their need, draw them to yourself, that they could be born again right here, right now. We know you delight in doing what we think to be the impossible. And then, Lord, I pray for the leaders of the church that you will continue to give them your wisdom, give them your encouragement. Lord, as a people here as a congregation, encourage your leaders. They need it. Courage one another. Be merciful one to another. Pray one for another. Thank you, Father, that we could be here today. Take us uh, to our destination safely that we might live victoriously for you. Thank you for the grace and mercy that we have received in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, it's astonishing because as we look at ourselves in the mirror, we say, oh, how in the world do we ever get saved? We don't deserve this, and yet you did it because you save unworthy sinners like us. Thank you so much. And we thank you through Christ our Lord. Amen.